0: You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, let's go into the Word tonight. If you want to go into Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, we are in Sermon on the Mount part 8. And we're going to be talking about treasures in heaven and worry and how to face life every day. I mean, I, I just this is so practical, what Jesus, our Master, is teaching us. And it's just so good. Um, we're going to read some of this together. So if you want to... I'm, I'm going to be reading out of the uh, New Living Translation. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven... Where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and they're thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and give, and God will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Man, you talk about incredible wisdom. Isn't that just amazing? Wasn't Jesus just brilliant to teach us about life? As we read this passage of Scripture, Jesus is challenging us to consider where we place our thoughts every single day when we get up. What dominates our thinking? You know, what are we living for every day when we get up out of bed? Jesus warns us against putting all of our eggs in the basket of this world and the material things of this life. And the reason is simple. Things rust, things wear out, things get stolen. All of those things happen. They decay. Why? Because they're temporal. That's why it's easy to see. They simply don't last. We've all got something new. You know, we had a new shirt, new pair of pants, new this, new phone, whatever. And before you know it, it's wore out. It's broke. It's no good. It's got a stain on it. We've all got something new, it got scratched, it wore out. Nothing in this world will last, not even our bodies. And the older that you get, the more you recognize, wow, you know, even my body where it used to be young and and perky, now it's kind of old and saggy, right? It just happens to everybody because nothing lasts forever. Nothing stays new. Nothing stays relevant. Those of you that are relevant right now, just give it a few days. You won't be relevant any longer. And you'll fight hard to be relevant, but no matter how hard you fight, you just won't be. There's no way that material things can keep us content because all material things are temporary. That's just the way they are. Temporary things can only provide temporary contentment. That's all they can do. Now, in verse 19 and 20, Jesus contrasts two types of, of riches. Verse 19 and 22 types of riches. Verse 21 through 23, Jesus contrasts two types of hearts, and in verse 24, Jesus contrasts two types of masters. And we're going to break it down and look at all of these together. So let's start with two kinds of riches. Verse 19 and 20, Jesus talked about earthly riches and he talked about kingdom riches now people ascribe value to possessions some possessions have great value like you know jewelry that's costly stones or an expensive vehicle or a a nice home and then there's other things that carry less value they're not as expensive but we all we all assign value to everything the problem with this is that value changes over time Everything in life almost always depreciates. Very few things go up in value and sustain that gain. Most everything depreciates in life. We've all heard the saying, you know, you buy a car and as soon as you drive it off the lot, what happens? It depreciates. I mean, literally, it was worth this much on the showroom floor. You drive it out of the parking lot. I mean, you haven't even put a ding or a scratch or barely even got an ounce of dust on it, and it's already worth way less than what it was once it leaves the showroom floor. So we ascribe value to possessions, but possessions all depreciate. I have tons of things that at one time were worth a bunch, and now, I mean, you can't get hardly anything for it. I remember buying a laptop one time and it was a really nice laptop. It had the latest processor and had the latest graphics card in it. And it was just had the best screen, you know, and it was just great. And then within six months, the thing wasn't worth half what I paid for it and in a year and a half. I'd be lucky if I could get a couple hundred dollars for it. I mean, anybody ever been there? I mean, obviously we've all experienced that, whether it be computers or cell phones, clothing, And then things just depreciate, vehicles, electronics, tools, things get stolen. The Bible says things get stolen. I mean, in my lifetime, I've had lots of things stolen from me. I had a car, a pickup truck stole right out of my driveway, I mean, right in my carport. They went in there and got in it and drove off. Now, I shouldn't have left the keys in it. That wasn't a really smart thing. It made it a lot more convenient for them. But I did learn my lesson, and I don't leave my keys in my car anymore. I remember my son, Cole, when he was uh, real young, he decided he wanted to get himself a motorcycle. And, you know, he, he wasn't even hadn't even broke barely 10 years old yet, I don't think. And he saved up about $600 of his own money. And we went and bought a motorcycle and kept it up in the carport, and and somebody stole it. Stole it right out of the carport. Now, me being the smart dad that I am, I said, you know what? We'll just pray that thing back. I said, God will bring that motorcycle back if we'll just pray. And then, you know, I kind of turned my, my back and said, God, you've got to come through, <laughs> you know. And uh, so we just began to pray and pray and pray. And you, you guys, you won't believe this story but about two weeks later, you know, I had some pictures that I would taken of him riding it, and we put some posters together and stuck them on posts in different places. And I was over here at work one day, and the uh, guy driving the trash truck, he somehow got my number off the poster, and he called me, and he said, are you the guy that has the motorcycle missing? And I said, yes, I am. And he says, well, is your house right here across the street from the church? And I said, it is. And he says, well, there's a red motorcycle sitting out in your front yard. I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, I'm not. So I went over, and sure enough, whoever stole it brought it back. So I'm just, you know, this isn't a message on the power of prayer. Uh, But the same was true with my truck. I was leaving that morning, to go minister in Texarkana to a college-age group, me and Stephen Sexton. and I walked out my front door to get in my truck and leave, and it wasn't there. And so I filed a report. Me and Stephen just prayed as we were traveling to Texarkana. We went ahead and went because we had ministry to do. And um, they found my truck the next day, parked on the side of the road. Nothing wrong with it. Keys in it. No damage done to it. Nothing stole out of it. And then just recently, uh, a man in our church had a four-wheeler stole, and I told him my story about me praying with my son over his motorcycle being stolen. So he got with his kids, and they got together in agreement and prayer and prayed, and it wasn't a matter of three or four days, he got his four-wheeler back. So, you know, this isn't a message on the power of prayer, but you can't, you know, you can't convince me that prayer doesn't work, because it, it simply does. But, you know, the Bible makes it very, very clear that all of the things in this life are temporary. They're going to rot, they're going to rust, they're going to decay, they're going to get stolen. Things are going to happen to them. So why attach yourself or, or uh, place great value on anything in this life that is temporary? Now, in verse 19 and 20, it also talks about a different type of riches, which is called heavenly riches. Riches. And the Bible says these are the kind of riches that we all ought to pursue. Things like a godly life. The Bible says, pursue righteous living. Because there's great value to that. But that value carries over into where? Eternity. Amen? And then, of course, the Bible talks a lot about forgiveness, helping people, loving people, serving people. The Bible talks about placing value on things like peace in your life and joy in your home and in your heart. See, there's an there's a eternal kingdom, and it's full of great eternal things. And God says, if you'll put your primary focus on these things and make these the riches that you pursue, then life will work a whole lot better for you. Then in verse 21 through 23... Jesus talks about two kinds of hearts, a good heart and a bad heart. A good heart, he says, is full of light and it's full of truth. A bad heart is full of lies and deception and darkness. Many of us used to live in that place. We had hearts like that. Thank God that Jesus came in, amen, and he he redeemed us. We don't have hearts like that anymore. We have hearts that desire to live right and desire to honor God and want to do the right thing. Man, I mean, For me, I used to love doing wrong. I used to love getting in trouble. I used to love sinning. And I would get as many people involved with me in it as I possibly could. But when I met Jesus, I no longer enjoyed doing that. Now, I'm not perfect, and I still make mistakes, and I still sin from time to time. But I don't agree with it anymore. It bothers me. It grieves me. I want to be quick to get my heart right with God when those kinds of things happen in my life. And that's the difference between a bad heart and a good heart. In John chapter 8, verse 12, and if you want to look there with me, you can. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is talking to us, and it says, Then Jesus said, I am light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. And you know, honestly, I have to say, that that's true in my own personal life. I'm not saying that I haven't had dark times since I've been saved, but I haven't walked in darkness. Jesus was the light for me that led me through those dark times in my life. Now, this obviously doesn't mean that you're never going to make mistakes. This obviously doesn't mean that you're perfect and you do everything right. But what it does mean is that you're connected with God And you're pursuing a relationship with Him, and that is your primary focus and your primary concern. That is what's more important to you than anything. Why? Once again, because our relationship with God and our home with God is eternal, and everything here on this planet, everything is temporary. Clearly, we understand we didn't bring anything into the world with us, and we're not taking anything when we leave, when we go out of this world. So Jesus then talks about a bad heart. A bad heart is a heart focused on greed. It's a heart that's focused on material possessions. The Bible says both masters are going to call to us. Both masters. Jesus our master and then materialism the master of material gain, material wealth, the temptation to pursue material things. They're both going to call to us, and what's going to determine how we respond is our heart. If our heart is in the right place, then we'll hear the voice of Jesus. If our heart is in the wrong place, we're going to be tempted and led astray from the path that God wants us to walk on. The Scripture makes it very clear. You can't serve God and serve material things, you know. And you've heard probably people say this before. Um, God's not against material things; He's just against material things having you, right? And I believe that's true. I mean, obviously, um, God put us in a world that has material things, and that I think that's why Jesus is being careful to teach us how we are to navigate our attitude and our heart toward material possessions. A choice has to be made. See, when things become our God, we get ourselves in a really bad place. One of the things that I've really noticed just over the years being a pastor and talking to people, um, you know, who kind of veer off the path and and material material things become really important to them, the thing that I've noticed, one of the first things that becomes less important to people like that are people material things become very important and people begin to become less and less important having things become our focus and our relationships tend to get pushed to the side and i really want to encourage our church you know the the only thing that really matters is the relationships that you cultivate in life now don't get me wrong we all got to wake up we all got to work We all have to make a living. We have bills to pay. We have to eat. We have to live. God knows all of that. But God never meant for us to get the cart before the horse and begin to make material things and material possessions our goal at the expense of having relationships with people that we do life with every single day. I I, I think that when that happens, people become a means to an end. Instead of the end. And people can never be a means to an end. And when when material things become our pursuit, we tend to use people to help us achieve those goals. Instead of understanding we do life with people as we're just living our everyday life. Amen. Look Look with me in 1 John chapter 2. And man, I'll tell you, if you haven't read the book of 1 John lately... Man, it's great. I highly recommend it in your devotional time reading First John. It's such a great book. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to this wisdom. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of this world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us. The gratification of our flesh, the allurement of things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father, but they come from the world. And this world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love do the will of God live forever. You know, it's not hard to see that this world is passing away. I mean, anything that you build over time, it begins to decay, it begins to rust, it begins to rot, it begins to wear out. And before you know it, it's time to throw it away, or it just simply rots and there's nothing left. You know, I think about all of this area out here that we live in, you know, and what it looked like a hundred years ago. I mean, way different than how it looks today. What this area looked like 200 years ago, right out here in this area. Do you know there were all kinds of homes and buildings and places that are here no more? I mean, people that had established businesses and homes and cars and all kinds of things, and all those things, they're gone now. You wouldn't even know that they were ever here had somebody not told you. Amen? And so we have to understand that life is simply temporary. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, Don't worry and be anxious. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us three different times. In verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34, he tells us, don't worry and be anxious. Now, Jesus is giving us a prescription. I like to look at it this way. It's kind of like your doctor saying, okay, I'm going to prescribe this medicine to you. And if you will take this according to my instructions and you will do this consistently, this will get you healthy and it will keep you well. And We've all been in those situations where that's happened for us. So Jesus is telling us, don't worry and don't be anxious. Now, easier said than done, right? <laughs> but Jesus wouldn't tell us if it was, it was possible if it wasn't possible. He wouldn't just tease us and say, don't worry and be anxious if it wasn't possible to live that kind of life. And so he begins to teach us and show us how we can achieve this type of living. So our responsibility is to pursue heavenly riches, maintain a good heart, and keep God first, not money, not material possessions. So while we're working, while we're paying our bills, while we're living our life, we're keeping God and his kingdom in the forefront of our mind and we're living our life to honor him. Everybody go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. I want to read through a few of these verses together. It says, "This is why I tell you never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, <clears throat> such as food, water, clothing. Everything your body needs, isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing?" Now, look at the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store food, yet your Heavenly Father provides them each with food. And there's a lot of birds. You know, I have birds at my house, and um, I feed them because I enjoy birds, and I enjoy watching all the different colored birds that come. And, you know, and just tell you a little bit of a secret. If you buy the cheap bird food, you're not going to really get very good birds. But if you spend the extra money and you get the good bird food, I don't know why it works like that, but... You just get the pretty colored birds that all come in. But I watch those birds and I'm thinking, you know what? Not one of those birds thanked me for that food. None of them came tapping on my window saying, Thanks, bro. None of them. But but God just provided for them. God just met their need. And obviously God meets their needs in many other ways, but you know, God laid it on my heart to like birds, and so the, the way I get to view the birds is to feed the birds. It's a win-win for both of us, right? So he says, look at the birds. So in other words, stop what you're doing, pay attention to the little birds that just flitter around you all day long and are chirping and doing. They're, they don't live in constant worry about where they're going to get food or how they're going to be provided for. Verse 28, and why would you worry about your clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. Now, our roses are blooming in our yard right now, and they're just absolutely stunning. They're just amazing. They're just full-bloomed, blowing up. I mean, they're gorgeous. Don't, they don't work. They don't toil. Verse 29, and yet not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was robed in the beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned... Won't he provide for you clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will I eat? Or what will I drink? Or what will I wear? Because that's what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know these things that your body requires? Verse 33, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. And the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all of these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry. Listen to this. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Now that's a good prescription. Just don't worry about tomorrow. But deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. You know, if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, I want you to eat this elephant. Now. But if they said, I want you to eat this elephant one bite, one day at a time. Okay, I can do that. Now, it may take me a while, but I'll get there, right? That's the way we need to be as we look at tomorrow and we look at the worries of life. Take it one day at a time. See, Jesus is showing us a lifestyle by which we live every day. Now, It's important to understand Jesus isn't condoning a lifestyle of laziness and not working. He is condoning a lifestyle of living worry-free while you bear fruit and work. So we're going to be productive, but we're going to live worry-free while we're being productive. This is a prescription for a healthy, stress-free, joy-filled life that Jesus wants us to live. Now, you never see a bird taking antidepressants as he's flying around, collecting food to eat, right? You you never see a bird having a nervous breakdown. You never see a bird living in worry or greed or constant fear. Birds don't do that because birds are just smart enough to know, you know what, somebody a whole lot wiser than me put some things in motion, and I'm going to be taken care of. You know, I think about my children when they were younger, running around the house and playing, and man, we had Nerf gun fights and Nerf sword fights and all kinds of fun, just, just playing and having a great time. You know, but I never saw my kids walking around the house wringing their hands, and I walk up to them and say, man, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? Dad, how, how are we going to pay the mortgage this month? Dad, you know, who's going to pay the electric bill and the insurance is due here in just a week? And, you know, the car payments right around the corner and the gas bill and, the, and dad, clothing and food and college and retirement. And dad, dad never did any of that. You want to know why? Because that wasn't their concern. That was dad's concern. And church, it's so important for you and me that we don't take on responsibilities and roles that were never meant ours to take on. That's our Father's job. God's going to provide. Now, what we do is we work, we give it our best, but then we live worry-free and we trust God that God's going to provide all that we need. Can I have an amen? So birds don't fly around stressing out, worrying, working their tail end off. Neither do you see birds being lazy by sleeping late every day. Binging on Netflix all week long, playing video games and social and surfing social media all the time. Birds don't do that either. Jesus said, "Look at the birds." I mean, we can look at them and we can learn from how they do. Birds don't have high blood pressure. Birds don't have ulcers. Birds don't have knots in their muscles because of stress and worry. Birds aren't trying to hoard up as much money as they possibly can so that they can have all the best of the best and keep up with the Joneses and the Kardashians and everybody else. Birds don't do that. So we have to look at them and we have to learn and say, okay, Jesus has a way that we can live life and it can make life really enjoyable. And then we can enjoy our friends We can enjoy our jobs, we can enjoy our hobbies, we can live a blessed life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, You see, every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors, defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. See, we see the Bible shows us to live this overcoming life, we have to follow the prescription that Jesus is giving us. Our belief in God. Our belief in God's great love for us. Our understanding that God's provision is unlimited. That moves us into a place of living worry-free and being able to enjoy life. Once again, Jesus doesn't teach that we'll have a trouble-free life. But Jesus did teach us that we can live a worry-free life. Troubles are going to come. Jesus made it clear in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And so Jesus has shown us that we can live a worry-free life. Even in the midst of experiencing troubles that we all face from time to time. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to this pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, it says, so if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes that you need, even though you live with such little faith? Jesus shows us how to overcome in life. He teaches us how to operate in his heart and in his mind. Getting caught up in worry, I mean, that's a a waste of time. It's an absolute waste of good, productive energy. Don't waste your time worrying. Spend your time praying, trusting, believing. Jesus says, take care of today and trust God with today. God will meet our needs and God will provide for us. Worry wears out our bodies. Worry wears out our minds. Worry affects good judgment. And worry creates high levels of stress and anxiety in our life. And none of those things are healthy or productive for any of us. I want to encourage you tonight as I close this message. Let's take our master's advice. Let's pursue his kingdom. Let's pursue his righteousness. Let's trust him that he can meet our needs. As I wrap up tonight, I want to end with a story. Alistair McLean quotes a story from Taller, the German mystic. It goes like this. One day, Taller met a beggar. God, give you a good day, my friend, he said. And the beggar answered, I thank God that I never had a bad one. And then Taller said, God, give you a happy life, my friend. I thank God, said the beggar, I'm never unhappy. And Taller in amazement said, what do you mean? And well, the beggar said, When I'm hungry, I thank God. When it's fine, I thank God. When it rains, I thank God. When I have plenty, I thank God. And since God's will is my will, and whatever pleases Him pleases me, why should I say that I am unhappy when I am not? Toller looked at the man in astonishment. Who are you? he asked. I am a king, said the beggar. Well, where then is your kingdom? said taller, and the beggar quietly replied, in my heart. Isaiah said it long ago in chapter 26, verse 6, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Let's pray together. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you know we've just got a minute here but you know maybe maybe you need to repent maybe you've been worrying about a lot of things that you really shouldn't be worrying about at all maybe you're a kind of person that just walks in a lot of fear and stress and tonight i want to encourage you repent of that repent of that and and take a life of faith let's pray together father god we ask you tonight to forgive us lord where we haven't trusted you enough god where we lay things down and we give them to you but then we pick them back up again lord forgive us tonight And God, we ask that you help each one of us, Lord, walk in a life of confident faith. Lord, knowing that you're an awesome, mighty, big God. Lord, your word says that you have cattle on a thousand hill. Your arm is not short. God, you can do all things. Nothing is impossible with you. So, Father, tonight we commit our lives to you. God, you see all of our needs. You know what they are before we even ask. And God, we thank you tonight that you provide for us. Come on, church. We thank you tonight, God. We praise you. We honor you. Thank you for meeting our needs. Lord, forgive us for not trusting in you. God, we know that you love us. You have our future in your hand. God, you're our ever-present help in time of need. You'll never abandon us. You'll never turn your back on us. You'll never leave us or forsake us, God. We can have confidence of knowing, God, that you love us and you're going to take care of us. So, Lord, help us. Help us, God, to live a life of faith. Looking to you, trusting in you, knowing that you are going to take care of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the CMC podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.